All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravalli. Back in the big chair after a little trip to Toronto for the Hockey Hall of Fame ceremony earlier this week. It's the Daily Faceoff Show with Mike McKenna. Today is Thursday, November 18th, and we're streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, as well as, of course, at dailyfaceoff.com. Mike, what's going on? How are you doing? Man, I'm living. I'm still recovering from playing in that alumni game this past weekend in Philadelphia. But, Frank, welcome back. It's awesome to have you in the big chair guiding this ship. Man, you're looking good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about all that, but uh, I'd imagine, uh, you know, that's a lot of hockey for you these last couple weeks between a practice with the Blues and alumni game. Uh, the groin's feeling okay or what? Yeah, groins are okay. I felt my knee pop in the first, but you know what? I never left a game due to an injury. I had to keep that streak alive, so I gutted it out. You know what, Frank, though? I just didn't make enough saves. We ended up losing 6-5, to five, so uh, not quite up to my own standards, but there's always room for improvement, right? I was going to say, you know, you stayed on the ice, but not making enough saves. Some would say that's the story of your career, but uh, that's it's a true. joke for another day. Uh, let's throw argue. two minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds on the clock and let's dive in because one of the big stories has been the Chicago Blackhawks turnaround with their coaching change 4-0 and now under Derek King. And I actually wanted to ask you about the goaltending specifically because we have Marc-Andre Fleury who wins the Vezina Trophy last year, gets traded for nothing. And all of a sudden, he's on a tear along with the rest of the Blackhawks. Just five goals against for Fleury in his last three games under Derek King. No one woke up today or, or this season thinking that Marc-Andre Fleury forgot how to play goaltender. How much of what we're seeing 
you know, in the early start under Derek King has been the turn turnaround in their defensive end and also the goaltending that's helped get them there. Uh, it's definitely been goaltending for sure. You know, the first game that Derek King took over after Jerry McCollton was let go on November 6th, they eked one out against the Nashville Predators, but the, the Chicago Blackhawks actually played well that game. They outchanced the Predators and Kevin Lankinen played, played admirably, uh, and, and they got that first win. And of course, there's a little bit of bounce in the locker room when you have a new coach, all right? It's weight off shoulders, you're losing some pressure, it's time to just go out and play. But the next game, they walk into Pittsburgh. And of course, Marc-Andre Fleury's old residence, he knows the place well, and he pitches a massive game, goes 42 for 44, roughs it up with Jeff Carter, gets involved physically. And I think the team's kind of ridden that confidence. After that, their schedule hasn't been tough. They've beaten the Kraken. They've beat the Coyotes. But Fleury has been phenomenal. He stopped 95% of shots. Start of the year, he was rocking along at an 875, 880. So it's been really strong from Fleury lately. I tell you what, though, Frank, I'm still a little worried about the Hawks here, though. I know they're 4-0 since the coaching switch, but they're still getting crushed 5-on-5. Five five. Chances 18-34 in the wrong direction in the last four games, or last three games, I apologize. So... I do think that this is a bump for the Blackhawks. They've gotten great goaltending. I just don't know if this winning way is sustainable. There's a big game coming this Saturday against Edmonton. Yeah, I was going to say, how long can it last? I mean, is this a team that we can talk about getting into the playoff picture too soon? Obviously, they've got a, a lot of ground to make up and and people to teams to overcome and climb in the standings. But I'm seeing a little more fight out of this team, too. You hit on the confidence. Yeah. Quite literally, some fight last night. Alex DeBrinkett. Uh, dropping the gloves. I had to do a double take when I saw the clip this morning. Is that Alex DeBrinkett fighting? Uh, but that team needed some fight because they seemed to roll over a lot in the early season. Yeah, they, and he was chucking them too, man. And I, I just, I, I, I think that is something about the Blackhawks that they realize, hey, like, we got to go. We got to play harder. We've got to take care of our own end. We've got to be harder to play against. And when you see a depth player, not a depth player, a scorer like Alex DeBrinkett fighting, you know that's filtering through the locker room. Yeah, and especially with that size. So the team and player that uh, Alex DeBrinkett and the Blackhawks beat up on last night in Seattle on national television here on TNT, uh, and that would be the Seattle Kraken with their fifth straight loss now. You look at where the Kraken rank in terms of expansion records through the first you know, 15, 18 games of a season. They're sort of right in the historical norm of where those teams might fall. Are you surprised where the Kraken are at carrying up the rear in the Pacific? Um, you know, is that a team that you, they've had plenty of fight. They've had certainly the work ethic has been there. They haven't stopped in that department yet, but they don't have the results and they, they're certainly not trending in the right direction. What are you seeing from the Kraken? Yeah, I'm not surprised here at all. I think everybody looked at the Kraken and thought of the Vegas Golden Knights, and we're looking through this expansion kind of with rose-colored glasses, thinking that the Kraken could just magically grab hold of something special and run it right to the playoffs. That's just not the case. Like, they're missing the, the top-end talent that the rest of the teams have, and I think it bites them at times. The number of turnovers that they've had at really tough moments – 
it's just been tough to watch, you know, they, and especially when you get late into games, no team in the league has given up more third period goals than the Seattle Kraken. They've given up 24 goals against in the last five games. They've been porous defensively and they're just not getting goaltending. Philip Grubauer has not been strong for the Seattle Kraken. And you can see the frustration mounting on the bench. Head coach Dave Haxtell, he was mad last game. You could see it visibly on his face against the Chicago Blackhawks. And you see Yanni Gord. Heart and soul type of guy. Pumpkin's out there chucking knuckles with Dabrinkit. He's trying to get the team going. He knows what it takes to win, but they're just not playing smart defensively. Those turnovers are crushing them. Even the games that they play well, they're finding ways to lose. They need better goaltending, and they have to manage the puck better. So we're looking at Philip Grubauer now. 8-7-7 save percentage. Is it time for the Seattle Kraken to say to him, look, we know you were a Vezina finalist last year. We know that you're a talented guy. We know that there's been a lot of weight on your shoulders and some porous play in front of you. But is this time now to take a step back and say, you know what, why don't you take the next week off? We're going to have some other guys step up and carry the load and you can try and go find your game. I'm not sure actually going fully off the board and letting him go to goalie school for a week or two weeks is the right play with somebody who's played at a high level previously, but he's really got to look inwardly at his game right now. Uh, and it rolls us into this next bit where we talk, I think, I think Philip Grubauer is an excellent goaltender. I thought he was a good pickup for the Kraken. I thought the Colorado Avalanche should have hung on to him. But the way these two teams play when you're comparing the Avalanche to the Kraken are very different, and Grubauer has not adapted whatsoever. He does need to retool his game. I look at how he's playing right now. I mean, he's at the bottom barrel in goals saved above expected, according to MoneyPuck.com. Last, negative 14. And he's facing 25 hard shots to do. a game. 25 shots a game. Frank, that's the least in the league. And he's not facing that difficult of shots. He's playing but, way too far out of his crease. He's being far too aggressive. He's getting eaten up laterally, and he's getting lost in his net. I think Grubauer is trying too hard to make up for the defensive deficiencies. He's got to let the play come to him. Let his teammates take care of their own business. I think he's got to play a little less. They've got to get Dreger uh, back into that more often if they can. And if not him, they've got to get Decord in there. So I, I do think it's time for them to start letting the Timber two and three goalies play more often. Usually you try to let your number one play your way out of it. That hasn't worked so far for Grubauer. Well, that that brought me to that point because it, it's far be it from him to be the first to take a reset here and say, you know, it was Carey Price last season that said, you know what? I'm not going the way that I need to be. I, I'm going to take a step back here and, and reset. You let Adriger and Decord carry the ball for five days, seven days, whatever it is, and, and allow... Grubauer, this key part of your team, who, by the way, you're trying to play your way through it, you know, you need some good vibes here on a long-term contract. You can't let things spiral out of control. So I think it's a worthy question at this point whether or not they end up uh, uh, going for that. But what's going on with UC Soros in Nashville? Well, it's the complete opposite, where Grubauer has made his team worse. Gosh, I hate saying that as part of the goalie union. Philip or UC Soros has made a Nashville Predators team that's okay. He's made them good. He's made them a playoff team at this moment. They're sitting third in the division, in the central division currently, because UC Soros is carrying the mail. This is a guy who's completely in control of his game. You look at the advanced stats on him. He's eighth in the league in goal save above expected, 928 save percentage. He's doing everything he needs to do. He's so solid in the net in terms of his positioning. He doesn't lose his posts. He's facing 30 shots per game. That's 21st in the league. So he's getting a decent load. But this is another example of Nashville. 
Nashville handling their prospects the right way. They let him grow into this role, understudy under Pekka Rene, and UC Saros was ready for the big stage when it came. He's taken a good, an okay team in Nashville, made them good. He's made them a playoff contender. I think he should have been a finals for the Vezina last season, Frank. I mean, you could have certainly made the argument that team was in no man's land last year. He carried them all the way through to the playoffs, closing the season on a clip of 20-plus games at 945. So it was incredible to watch. So really nothing new. He's continued at that same sort of elite level this season and certainly makes that appear to be something that's sustainable, which is really important for Nashville as they you know, have gotten some other boosts from some of their other guys. Matt Duchesne, comeback player of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. So uh, lots of interesting things happening in Nashville. But I wanted to spend a little time and give a little love to the Winnipeg Jets, leading the Pacific, or excuse me, the Central Division in points percentage. And yet you look at the Winnipeg Jets, and some people around the league seem to forget how good this team has been. I don't need to remind you, Mike. Like me, you picked the Winnipeg Jets to win the Stanley Cup this year, 9-3-3 start. And yet I was reading some power rankings on ESPN.com yesterday, and the Winnipeg Jets ranked 20th? I mean, look at this team and what they've accomplished this year. Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler have both missed significant chunks of time. Connor Hellebuck has been somewhat average. Wheeler, by the way, doesn't have a goal. And you've had some all-world type seasons from Kyle Connor. And we probably should be talking about, at a certain point, Andrew Kopp, better than a point per game. Such a smart player. He's in the final year of his deal. This is going to be an expensive ticket. What a contract yeah. year for Andrew Kopp. I don't know that the Jets can afford to keep him, but why are the Jets not getting more attention? Is it because they play in Winnipeg? It's got to be. Like, this is a team that's flown under the radar for so long. They've all, they've been competitive. But I really thought this summer the moves they made that Kevin Sheveldayoff uh, did to bring in talent that supported the mission. You know, they brought in the D that can move the puck and be responsible when they needed to. They've built on this core in smart ways. I totally agree with you about Cop. This is a guy that's going to be tough to, to hang on to if he keeps progressing. Like his game and his point totals, they just keep rising here. And of course, you're playing with Shifley, Ehlers. That's easy to do. But I mean, is there any bigger lock for the U.S. Olympic team right now than Kyle Connor? Just filling the net left and right. One of the most dynamic, exciting players, I think, in all of hockey to watch. Yet nobody knows who he is in the U.S. How? How? Like, we need to see more Winnipeg uh, in the U.S. on TV because this team is fun to watch. Pierre-Luc Dubois, that looks like a great trade bringing him in last season in, for Patrick Laine. The combination of him and Connor has been excellent so far. And Nate Schmidt, another smart move. He had to be convinced to come to Winnipeg. Got on the horn with Paul Stastny, some of the other players in Winnipeg, and they said, hey, you're going to like it here. It's a great culture. Come join us. It's paying off. Nate Schmidt's back to his old ways, goal and 10 assists. And like you said, Hellebuck now. His stats are rising. You watch out because when Hellebuck's on top of his game, he can beat anybody. Yeah, and he can be as streaky as anyone too. So it wouldn't be surprising to see him go on an eight or 10 game run in that 940 range and really give the Jets an even bigger boost at a time. Maybe when some of those guys, Kyle Connor, the goals fall off a little bit. His production has actually been pretty sustainable. Maybe not 12 goals in 15 games sustainable, but he's a talented scorer, man. He doesn't need a lot of time or space to get that puck in the net. So let's uh, let's go to our segment uh, today, the icebreakers. I got some news and nuggets from around the league. Let's break the ice.
All right, Frank, we're coming into this Olympic stretch, getting closer to it a couple months away. And there's talk of can people be added to the long list? And there's one name floating out there, Troy Terry in Anaheim, who's been on an absolute tear. Is he now on the U.S. Olympic radar? Well, he's certainly on the radar, but I can tell you with absolute fact that Troy Terry was not on the Team USA long list that was submitted back in October. And probably not a shock. I mean, yes, he's been off to a great start this season. But if you had headed into this season and said, who are the top 30 American-born forwards in the league? Like, Troy Terry probably wasn't making the cut. So not a lot of real surprise there. But what he's done now, being November 18th, closing in on U.S. Thanksgiving with 21 points in 16 games, this incredible streak that he's been on, he's played himself onto the radar and has asked the appropriate question of, does he belong in the conversation? So he wasn't on the long list to start. But the interesting part is he can be added to the long list. I think there was some miscommunication or, or misconception out there about how these long lists operate. There's no limit. Some people have reported it as 55 players. I believe it can extend much further than that. And there's apparently some teams that have closer to 100 guys that are on the radar. It just involves getting on the list so that you can be properly drug tested in the time leading up to the Olympics with random testing through the WADA protocol. So Troy Terry can be added. And I think the big question from Team USA circles is, can he sustain this? Can he keep it going? Because if six weeks turns into three months and you're, you're talking late December, Christmas time, and Troy Terry is still right there in terms of being one of the elite producers in the league, well then it's going to be a tough guy to say no to given how well he's played to start. By the way, Mike, one other name that's popped up on the Team USA radar, not to say he wasn't on the short list, but has really turned some heads this season in USA hockey would be Chris Kreider from the New York Rangers. Well, he keeps filling the net. No surprise there. And fun fact, I was once on the long list for the U.S. Olympic team. Only when NHL players weren't going a few <laughs> years ago. And it was brief. I was off the list so quickly. You could have been a fill-in Olympian. Is that, is that what you're saying? I could have been. I could have been a scab, a replacement. And uh, I chose an Way NHL contract. further than the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, let's stay on the topic of the Western Conference. Or the, the Western Conference leading Anaheim Ducks are first in the division. What's the status on the Bob Murray investigation? Yeah, so that investigation is actually still ongoing. I'm told that there was a hotline complaint that came in the week that Bob Murray was put on leave and, and ultimately resigned from his post to enter alcohol abuse related counseling. And so while he's departed the organization and has gotten is beginning to get the help uh, that he requested. I reported previously that he's also begun to attempt to make amends as part of that process as well as called people in and around the organization to apologize for his actions and is taking responsibility and accountability for that and attempt to get his life in order again. Uh, there were additional complaints that came in that the organization and also the outside firm Shepard Mullen, the Los Angeles-based law firm, didn't know about. And so they're still actively investigating those. They're not going to turn a blind eye, even though Bob Murray is departed the organization from investigating those claims and taking that as far as needs need be. But in this case, unlike the Blackhawks, my understanding is at this point, 
the Ducks and or the NHL don't have any uh, belief that this report will ultimately be made public. So uh, that continues, and we'll keep an eye on that, as as we should, uh, to keep these conversations and important conversations going. Uh, But Bob Murray is still under investigation at this point uh, by the independent law firm to, to tie up any loose ends that may have existed. News out of Pittsburgh this week that the Penguins are being sold to the Fenway Group. Owners of the Boston Red Sox, owners of Roush Fenway Racing in NASCAR, which will soon turn into RFK with Brad Keselowski gaining an ownership page. And that really diverse holdings for this group. But the real question here, what did the Penguins sell for? What's the return on investment for the ownership group that's headed out the door with Mario Lemieux and crew? Well, it's certainly a good one. And so it's always tricky when you're dealing with these numbers to figure out there's lots of complicated parts that go into actually determining the valuation. But here's what I can tell you is that the number begins with an eight, as in 800 plus million is the valuation that this sale is working on. Uh, And it's always an important test for some of the valuations that we see throughout the year, whether it's on Forbes or Sportico that go through these team valuations, the Pittsburgh Penguins landing in the eights, the Forbes valuation for this season, I believe was $849 million. So what does that mean for Ron Burkle, who is exiting? Uh, I'm told that he's looking at a 6x multiple on his investment that he put in. I believe that was somewhere in the $70 million range. So he's leaving apparently uh, with $400 plus million. So uh, quite a payday for Ron Burkle as he exits. Um, And Mario Lemieux, of course, minority owner, will remain on board with the team. That is the expectation as the Fenway Sports Group dives in. Um, fantastic or, or really interesting uh, turn of events for the Pittsburgh franchise. Lots of facets to that deal as well. The arena, some land adjacent, adjacent to it and development rights. So lots of layers to it. And as I said, these valuations are tricky, but I'm told that that number begins with an eight. So some interesting stuff. And we could see an approval vote for this sale, provided that everything gets done and close to closing. Uh, with the NHL Board of Governors meeting set to take place in South Florida, Palm Beach, December 9th and 10th, Mike. Well, I tell you what, some people may not know this, but I do have an economics degree I've never used. And if I could have proven to my professors I could get that type of return on interest, I don't think I would have played hockey. That's a great deal for Burkle and Lemieux and company. And that'll do it for this week's Icebreakers. Great job, Frank, as always. We did have a little bit of news while we were talking and doing the show. The Habs are recalling Cole Caulfield from AHL Laval. So uh, interesting news as you hope that Cole Caulfield has found his game. Another guy that probably would have been on the Team USA Olympic radar had he been able to fill the net as he did in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. But let's get to our daily face-off inbox question of the day. You can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. We actually had this question Roll in. So let's throw it up there and take a peek. Do you think Clayton Keller will get moved by the deadline using that hashtag AskDFO? And Mike, you can chime in as well. But my understanding with the Arizona Coyotes and where they're at in what's been another tough season as they continue their rebuild, all this focus on on the picks that they have is that, yes, Clayton Keller would be up for grabs, but he's not alone. I was told 
this past offseason, while the Coyotes were seemingly involved in so many different conversations, that the only untouchable on the current Coyotes roster would be their defenseman, Jacob Chikrin. So uh, he's a guy that is also Chikrin on the Olympic radar. Clayton Keller hasn't quite lived up to expectations since bursting on the scene in the league and and signing a, a pretty large extension. And so hasn't played commensurate to what he's being paid. And I don't think there's any doubt that the Coyotes would be entertaining those conversations should they pop up. Yeah, I'm sure they'd love to move that contract. The question is, can they? That's a tough one to move. I mean, Clayton Keller's at a 7.15 cap hit. He's got six years remaining on the deal. And when he signed it, he had 65 points in 82 games. I think the thought process was he might be a 70-point guy in the league. And realistically, he's performed to about... You know, you can probably expect 20 to 50 points out of him if he's on a good team. Problem is that Clayton Keller's been on a bad team in Arizona for so long now. It's his fifth year in the league. You really don't know what you're getting if you're another team. It's a big risk, especially considering that his contract in the last four years, two of those years have a no trade clause, two years at the very end have a no movement clause. So if you're going to take on that contract for Keller, that's a big risk with a big dollar figure associated with it. I'm not sure what the Coyotes would get back in terms of assets on Keller. I think it's going to be a tough contract to move, Frank. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm just interested in some of the other guys that have had some better bounce back years. You know, does uh, what, what goes on with Phil Kessel at the deadline? Can you find mm -hmm. a way to retain some salary? Does someone think they can get a magical Phil playoff run again? Uh, Shane yeah. Gostisbehere has actually found his game a little bit in Arizona again. Uh, one of the team leaders in points to start the year. So we'll keep an eye on all that as we get closer to the March 21st trade deadline. Let's take a peek at our daily face-off best bets of the day. Tyler, I haven't talked to you in a few days. What's the run been like for you, hot or cold? Uh, it's somewhere in the middle. It's been a little up and down. It's been win two, lose two, win one, lose one. So we'll look to build up a little bit of a streak here heading into the weekend. Let's take a look at the lines, courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. It's a busy day around the NHL tonight. And I'll be honest, there were a lot of games that I looked really closely at. Only two I came away with plays for, and we'll start tonight in Arizona, where you can probably guess what I'm doing. I'm betting against the Coyotes. Columbus minus 160 on the money line. The Yotes burned me earlier in the week with their surprising win over the Blues. I don't think Arizona is going to win two in a row, but here's what I'll say with this play. Keep an eye on daily faceoff and wait for Elvis Merzlikens to be the confirmed starter. As much as I rag on the Yotes, they've been better with Scott Wedgwood between the pipes. I need to get the Merzlikens start for Columbus to make this a play. Merzlikens in, minus 160 on the money line is the way I'm going. And the second game right there on the screen, the Vegas Golden Knights hosting the Detroit Red Wings. After a weirdly slow start on home ice to the year for the Vegas Golden Knights, they've turned it around. They've won three of their last four at the Fortress, and they're going up against a Red Wings team that is not very good on the road. They're three and six. Vegas also seven and three in their last 10. Detroit's lost two in a row. Plenty of reasons to not just like the Golden Knights to win this game, but to pick them in regulation, which is where I'm going at minus 105. So just two plays today for a busy night in the NHL. Columbus money line if Merzlikens starts, and we're going Vegas in regulation. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, Tyler, the Columbus Blue Jackets already whacked the Arizona Coyotes earlier in they the did. season. So something to keep an eye on as well. Nice job, Tyler. And let's get to my favorite segment of the show. That would be garbage time. Mike, what has you fired up? I seem to remember you uh, defending P.K. Subban to start the year with these new NHL term, dangerous trips. Have you changed your mind yet? 
Yeah, those are called slew foots. Uh, I don't know about this dangerous trips nonsense we're talking about. They're slew foots. That's what they are. Uh, I did. I defended PK Subban. It was on Ryan Reeves. I believe that was in preseason. If it wasn't preseason, it was right off the bat at the beginning of the year. But it was an innocuous play. Subban had a wide stance. They clipped feet. Reeves went down. And you give people the benefit of the doubt when it comes to these type of scenarios because I, I know Subban's not a person who's out there trying to injure people. But, man, it just keeps happening. Did it to Milan Lucic. Now Sammy Blaze out. Like, you have to change your game. Like, PK, you're hurting people. And he, I think he knows this. He's, a, he's said it, hey, this is a bad habit that's crept into my game. But you simply cannot play with your feet so wide that you're taking others you're you're taking people's feet out left and right and injuring people and the league's catching on to the point now where i don't think he's going to get the benefit of the doubt any longer and not just for himself but just for his team like he's having a good season right now okay like he's not a norris candidate any longer but you know seven points in 13 games and and a big contributor to that devil's club they need him in the lineup they need him on the ice like he's got to stop slew footing people period like yeah. you have to be in control of your feet just like you have to be in control of your stick and like i said man like i i defended him at first well i i've changed my mind on it i've come around to the point of thinking that pk even if this isn't intentional man you got to stop you got to find a way and be in control and i think he knows that and, and i really hope that that's what happens in the future yeah, it happens once or twice. I think you're willing to forgive him. It happens three, four, five times now where we see this. You go, okay, it's no longer an accident. That's something that's happening uh, by either the way he's playing or by design. And so to this point, earning the nickname PK Sluban. We'll see if that clears up. That is all the time that we have for today's daily face-off show. Uh, thank you to Mike and all that make this happen behind the scenes. Our technical producer, Alex Allard. Our producer, Tyler Uremchuk as well. This has been another edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, 
you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.